0: This episode of the Fryer Podcast is sponsored by Soggy Hot Dogs. Since 1869, Rhode Island's hot dog of choice has been the dog with that iconic snap. Soggy is gluten-free and MSG-free, made with all natural ingredients and only 170 calories. You can find soggies in your local Connecticut, Massachusetts, or Rhode Island grocery store, the Soggy food truck, or you can order soggies directly from Soggies.com, shipping nationwide. If it doesn't have that snap, it's not soggy. Today is October 31st, and we have a spooky edition of our season preview, episode two. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar
1: Podcast.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friar Podcast, Episode 36, Season Preview, Number 2. I'm, of course, your host, Billy Ritchie, joined by the great Kevin Farhar of FriarBasketball.com. And today, we have an exciting review of the fan survey. That's right, everybody. The results are in from the FriarBasketball.Substack.com fan survey, as Kevin's been doing for a long time. I know it's something he takes a lot of pride in. I've certainly got into it in recent years and just excited to review what you guys think is going to happen this season. And you had some interesting takes along the way, of course. So let's get it going. Kev, pleasure as always. What's going on, my man?
1: Let's do it. Looking forward to it. Um, some really good results this year. Um, always fun to do. It's a new era. So obviously, we'll see. People are pretty high on Kim until he coaches the game. I it's with Cooley, as a head coach, it was kind of, you know, it fluctuate based on the year um but really fun stuff here so looking forward to getting to it
0: so we had over 500 plus fryer fan uh responses and that was outside of some tomfoolery that happened uh, for some other fan bases but great uh sample size of, of, of fryer fans out there and and some great data that we were able to kind of mine out of the survey that I think you guys will enjoy so First question we had in the survey was simply, where will Providence finish its season? And within the three answers, 40.6% of you out there said that the Providence Friars would reach the second round of the NCAA tournament. I would certainly be happy with that. 28% said we would reach the Sweet 16. We'd love that in Kim's first year. That'd be amazing. And then 21.5% said reach the first round. Kev, what are your initial reactions to your question number one?
1: Yeah, Bill, I think with this one, every year, um, I feel like the fan base shoots pretty high. Um, you know, you look at PC, he's been to one Sweet 16 since 97. So um, if Kim was able to get there this year, that'd be pretty crazy in his first um, year at PC. Um, I think a lot of that's based on Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter coming back, which obviously I think in a way has been a little bit underplayed. You know, Bill, you made a good point. I think someone had wrote to us on Twitter that we do this whole – First episode of our season preview and barely talked about Bryce, you know, because it almost feels like a given what he's going to do.
0: All right. So, what is the fan base's biggest concern for Providence heading into this season? We had a lack of interior depth, B, a first year coach and a tough Big East, and C, youth at point guard. So, lack of interior depth was 63.5%. Kind of surprised by that. I'll get into that. A first-year coach and a tough Big East, twenty-five percent. Youth at point guard, nine and a half percent. So for me, as much as I think that youth at point guard is is certainly different for us, it's like unfamiliar territory, as we've talked about a couple times on some different pods and articles. I just can't take that into account over the other two. So I'm going to throw that out for a second. First-year coach and a tough Big East didn't get enough on the survey, in my opinion, right? Because it's not a it's not a like oh whatever happens, the seasons, whatever happens. It's like, no, Kim is truly stepping into a different big East this year. And it's almost like not fair with it, be, with it being his first year. Right. And it's such a talented roster that he has, and that's the fan, that's the fan in me talking, right. Where it's like, if he was facing that big East with just Villanova and Creighton at the top with an inconsistent Marquette, no St. John's presence, no Sean Miller at, at, at Xavier, then we're talking about a completely different landscape to get to fourth, right? In which that's been the goal for our team: get to fourth, make the tournament, get a seven to ten seed. I wrote about this in my article, guys. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving the facts here out of the pod, right? So I think it's very interesting that that didn't get a little bit more into the 30s or 40s, because I agree the lack of interior depth is a little scary. But at the end of the day, this Big East is looking like it's about to be as good as we've seen since realignment.
1: Yeah, the Big East. So, and right UConn, Marquette are all legit top 10 teams, and it wouldn't be shocking if one of those teams finished fifth in the league with how much depth there is with Villanova, PC, St. John's. Um and who knows what you get from Xavier despite their injuries. Um, yeah, Billy, I'm with you. I think... For a first-year coach, th- th- I mean, that's the biggest question mark. We just have no idea what this will look like. Um, and there's so much experience in the league, too, coaching-wise. You know, how many coaches have been to the Final Four or made deep runs? And It's just a not only are the teams really good, but the, the coaches are unbelievable in this league. So that's a major question mark. I wouldn't even say a concern. Probably just the biggest question mark that PC faces. Um, you know, I think the lack of interior depth—that's really going to come down to Rafael Castro and how much he can provide. Um, because there's going to be games where Josh Adoro in foul trouble. I just watched it at at Mason, uh, just by nature of the position, um, that's going to be the case. They may try and play Hopkins at the five at times, which, um, I'd rather see him more on the wing or at, at power forward. But um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm with you, Bly. I think that's the biggest question mark. Um, and again, you know, we gave high grades to the hiring of Kim. It's just any coach who's in his third year as a head coach and coming to this league is really, really hard. Did you know that Rafael Castro is
0: listed at 6'11"?
1: Yeah, I did. That's, that's what, what, tall. What, what were you thinking of? like 6'9"? Yeah, I thought, I thought he wasn't as, as tall as 6'11". So, hey, maybe he had a growth spur. I'm totally for it. <laughs> But, and Bill, even, I remember, like, a couple years ago, even when he was, uh, I mean, now he's in his 30 in the program, but I remember even Bob Walsh saying on our, I think it was a podcast or an article, one of the interviews we did with him, that even back then, the caster was having an impact. He was like, he's, he's so lean, but just his length and athleticism, he was just a factor. Um, So, I'm excited to see where he lands. Yeah, I would have... I didn't expect McNair to be great. I just thought on sheer size and experience, he would be a good piece to have, um, a depth piece. But um, who knows? Maybe Castro is more upside and we start to see it this year. He was like a top 125-ish recruit. So it's not like he didn't come here with much fanfare. And it's year three. So I think this is a big year for him.
0: Yeah. in the exhibition, the Spain trip, We've seen him finish with authority, be athletic out there, grab some boards. So I, I'm excited at the potential to see what he can do. Josh O'Duro to me is so interesting in this role because again, he wants to think think about his game differently this year, step out a little bit, shoot more threes. Maybe that keeps him out of foul trouble a little bit, right? But also where does that in where does that rebounding happen for the Friars if if he's stepping out a little bit and shooting some threes? Again, that kind of pivots Bryson a little bit to to get some rebounds and maybe play down low, but I agree with you. I'd rather see him more on the wing or, or in a true power forward type role.
1: Yeah, I think what's going to help them in that regard too is their guards are athletic. Like Garvey can help them in the glass, Devin Carter. Ticket gains averaged like eight boards a game um, two years ago. So I think they'll have enough help because um, that's the thing. They were pretty small and un- unathletic in the backcourt last year, and that's gonna be a big difference this year. And in the wing, they pretty much played like three guards. They're all six, three under. So it's going to look different this year.
0: Really quick to end on this question. The fact that St. John's could just come out of nowhere and just rise from the big East dead and just be a top four, top five team Villanova. who, Who even knows? Maybe Georgetown does make a run this year, right? There's just a lot of outstanding things in this Big East and that's exactly where we go into the next question is where do you expect our PC Friars to finish in the Big East standings? So A was second to fourth, B was fifth to seventh, and C was first. Second to fourth came in at a whopping 62%. Fifth to seventh came in at 35%. And then first came in at 2%. Kev? I'll let you lead on this one.
1: I mean, I'm pretty firmly in the fifth to seventh range, I think. Um, heading into the season, I think I'm having a tough time thinking who's going to be the best team in the league. Like, I, I Marquette's going to get the nod on Big East Media Day. I'd be shocked if they didn't get the nod. But um, Creighton has one of the best top fours, if not the best top four in the league. is really talented. Again, we mentioned they're a top ten team um so i've always said if pc cracks that top four they've had an awesome season because then you're holding off villanova who's a lot better and villanova's not just better they're way more experienced if you look at their roster there's so many seniors and grad players on there and guys who have really proven it um we'll see how it comes together but i think they're being slept on a little bit um and then st john's i I'll be interested to see, Bill, what they get as far as media day love because part of me wonders if the coaches aren't going to want to provide any fuel to Patino, right? Like they know he's like a psychotic competitive freak that do you really want to rank him like six, seven and have him post that? I just feel like, and again, maybe they don't think about that deeply. They probably don't. This is just me being a psychotic freak of my own. Um, but I'm like, oh, I, I just feel like he's gonna get that kind of respect. I mean, he doesn't they have Joel Soriano and essentially a bunch of like, you know, mid-major transfers coming in. But um they're the most intriguing team to me in the league. Uh I just have no idea how high Petino can get them in this league next year. But with with all that being said, it feels like there's so many variables and like we talked about, PC's got a lot of variables too, where five to seven seems like a very safe landing spot fourth wouldn't be shocking top three would be an amazing year if rick
0: patino takes st
1: john's makes them
0: relevant gets them to like a sweet 16 or elite eight and he just proves again he's one of the best college basketball coaches of all time it's it's just if he's able to do something like that with this with this brand that is just sort of died out it would be very very impressive and Kev, you're 100% right. The other coaches are definitely afraid of how they could fuel Patino in this league because Patino loves being that guy at the Yankee game or at MSG and loves getting... The, he loves the press and he loves the attention. So I, I would think they would want to stay away from that, right? And it's why he was the perfect fit for the St. John's job. Whereas, like, with Ed in the Georgetown job, the real difference is, like, Ed now has to build the Georgetown job back to, you know, fr- from the dead as well. But even even more so, right? He needs to, like, make basketball relevant on the Georgetown campus again, right? Whereas, like, with Rick Patino, he's already got New York City behind him. He's a New York guy. He just needs to make them good at basketball. That's all he has to do, and that's what he's really good at.
1: Yeah, and the media, I feel like, has been dying for St. John's to be relevant. Whereas I feel like there's not that media engine behind Georgetown at all down in DC. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like even talking to friends I have down there, it's like Georgetown's not on the radar. Whereas it's kind of like when UConn came back to the Big East. And like I really felt like they had a lot of people in the press, like really elevating them further. They've been down. They hadn't been in the tournament in a couple of years. And I felt like there was so much hype around UConn coming back and now it's kind of similar for St. John's you know all these outlets in New York want to see them at the Garden with Patino make it a huge huge story um, so I felt like that's a, Patino kind of had a built in adventures there where there's just more juice behind St. John's in New York than there is for Georgetown in D.C. So let's look at this really quick and then I'm going to get my answer. All right.
0: Marquette Creighton UConn, St. John's, us, Xavier, Hall, Georgetown, Butler, DePaul, right? So I think we're kind of, it's tough for me. I think this is almost like a 50 50 split question where it's like I see us fourth or fifth. But does, and I probably, I think I forgot Nova in there, like Nova would be. Uh, it would be either one ahead of us or one behind us um so st john's and nova to me are just as big a like they're even more wild cards than us so it's like who of is st john's and villanova is going to finish in front of us and who in st john's and villanova is going to finish behind us that's the real determinant de- you know determination here and the safer bet is to go fifth i'm kind of torn between fourth and fifth
1: and bill too the uh- Villanova's, Kyle Netson's no more approved than Kim English. Like He didn't do much. He had bad luck last year with Kim Whitmore and, and Justin Moore being injured, but they were bad. I mean, injuries aside, they were really bad in in November and probably into December last year. So he's, if that's a question mark for PC, I think it's still a question mark for Nova. But to me, their talent is really, really good. They are, and they definitely have some experience and You got to think there's some of those
0: Jay right ways still hanging around the program. I think so too. So the next question is who do you think will win the big East regular season title? We had Marquette, UConn, Creighton, Villanova, Providence, and St. John's in that order. So we had Marquette at about 35.9%. We had UConn at 28.8. We had Creighton at 24.8. Nova at four and a half, Providence at three point eight, and Saint John's at about one and a half. So, I'll get into this one. Marquette is a different program right now. Shaka Smart has stabilized them. Right, this is not the Marquette years where they would finish like seventh or eighth, or then finish first or second. Right, they're definitely here to stay. This is not the the Wojciechowski Marquette Golden Eagles. You know. So, I mean, honestly, not that different of a playing style in terms of up-tempo, scoring the basketball, but definitely a little bit more defense being played these days. I think Marquette's going to win. <laughs> like, I I, I, don't, I don't know how I could disagree. Like, I think it's interesting Creighton didn't come in second here because they're getting a lot of love. But I think UConn, without the title hangover, is either going to be two or three. But it's just really hard to go against Marquette this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bill, I think it's interesting. You'd mentioned the job Shaka Smart had done. Um, I don't think it was fully recognized how they had really dipped. Um, for, they were better prior to the Big East realigning. You know, it was supposed to be a harder Big East before when the league was a lot bigger. They were a pretty consistent Speed 16, Elite 8 contender um, for a couple of years before the league formed. Um, but they'd only finished before last season, I'm looking back in the first nine years since realignment, they had, had a top four finish in the big East just twice. Um, I don't think, let me look, I've got my data here. They hadn't won a tournament game since realignment until last year when they won one, they're one in four in the tournament um, since realignment. So Shaka really did did come in and elevate them and stabilize them. Um, I think they're going to be the pick for most people. Um yes. I don't know why I kind of want to go. They lost Nemhart, They lost Arthur Kaluma. And they have questions at power forward. But I almost feel like this, and I'm always high in Creighton early in the year, but Stephen Ashworth, who they got from Utah State, is a really great shooter and scorer. I think Trey Alexander might be the best shooting guard in the conference. Colt Brenner has won the defensive Player of the year twice in a row. Um, and then Baylor Shireman's awesome. And I think, Watching them last year, I thought there was flashes of, like, when LeBron first went to the Heat and guys are just taking turns. And I think as great as it was that they had all that talent last year, you kind of need to condense it a little bit. Where you know, I think it's hard to get into a rhythm when you're kind of taking turns or you're not consistently getting, if you're Baylor Shireman or Trey Alexander, like 15 shots a game. Um, For some reason, I feel like with Creighton, there could be a less is more thing there. And I think they've got some bench pieces that are better than people think. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Creighton make a run. So I'll go with Creighton,
0: Tyler Colic and Cam Jones. It's kind of hard to pass up for me right now. Yeah, I mean we got three point eight percent in there, so you never know. Yeah, we do. We do have two of the better guys, and all of America returning. We can't. We and really quick, let's just go back to roster rebuild for a second. In terms of roster, you know, restoration, as we'll call it, we'll call it the, the roster res- restoration project again, filling with ticket gains, Josh O'Duro, and keeping Jaden Pierre and Corey Floyd. I mean, talent wise, we got to be right there. It's just the interesting thing about this team, and Kev, I don't know if you'll 100% agree, or maybe you will. What's interesting about this team is you do have some guys in different spots, right, in, in in their journey in college and what they're looking to achieve. Comparative to, like, the Sweet 16 team where all those guys were seniors, grad transfers, who were just trying to win. You got some guys here who are probably looking to, you know, get obviously have success. Bryson, Devin came back to PC for a reason, to win. And then you have some younger guys who are kind of coming into their own in different roles. And then you have a guy like Josh Oduro who's – coming into a new league and you're know, just trying to prove that he can play as well as he did in the eight ten 10 as he did in the Big East, as well as take the gains. It's just a very interesting grouping of players when you take a step back and you look
1: at it. Well, there's also a pecking order, right? I felt like last year – at this time last year, we didn't know that Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter – and when Jared Bynum was considered a top-five player in the league and he was supposed to be the guy. You know, and I'm sure, you know, there's a feeling out process there. You know, Noah Locke, where does he get his shots? I feel like it took him a while to kind of figure that out. Whereas now it's like, it's pretty clear cut. Like Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter are are the guys. And I think that goes a long way. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about Creighton. I think having that role clarity. And again, we're going to have to figure out. There's a lot of other roles to figure out as far as, you know, where do Ticket Gaines and Corey Floyd fit together or, you know, swapping in and out for each other. How does it look with Jaden Pierre and Garvey Duval they played together? Um, but I think having that clear cut one, two um is a kind of underplayed difference from last year. Um, you know, we thought we had a pretty clear cut. Like number one, Jared Bynum's the guy. He didn't quite have the season that everyone thought he was going to have. And it became apparent that, you know, it's being surpassed a little bit by by Bryce and Devin. Um whereas this year, I just think from the start, it's going to be their show and I there's not I can't imagine a scenario where they're not the two guys this year perfect segue to the probably
0: the most interesting question on the survey how long will it take until you are no longer angry with Ed Cooley option a I'm already moving on option b never option c three to five years Option D after next season. I'm already moving on. Got 43%. Never got 39.9%. Three to five years got 10%. And after next
1: season got 7%. All right. right, Bill, I have a question before we start. Yeah. So I got so dragged by all these fans from other programs, basically being like, this is such a pathetic question that this is even a question, but Maybe just have to live here. Maybe have to be a Providence fan to get it. I didn't think twice. I was like, this feels like a completely legit question with the way PC fans are feeling. But from the outside, everyone's kind of like, these people cannot be serious. Is it really going to take that long? But it, I think it's a legit question. You know, I, And I should have. I wrote in my, when I did the results, that the three to five years part, I probably should have put, you know, when Ed Cooley's done at Georgetown, that probably would have been a, been a better way of wording it. But I think it's very real. There's a lot of fans who are never going to move on. Others who, you know, maybe in, we get kind of used to him being at Georgetown, came as a success here, then it's time. Um, but I thought it was interesting. There is almost half the people who voted are kind of like, well, I'm moving on here. 43%. So, I don't know. I To me, I thought it was a legit question, but yeah, I got dragged a little bit for that one. I think it's a very legit question. And in the most
0: unemotional, poetic way I could respond to it, if Ed Cooley... Didn't have the end to last season that he did. If he didn't go to a big East rival, and if he didn't leave after 12 years and just that little itch to take us to that next level still that we didn't scratch, I don't know how relevant, quote unquote, this question would be. But because of those three things alone, this is a very relevant and very appropriate question. And my opinion is that I'm sort of in the middle of quote-unquote never, and I'm already moving on. I'm probably more on the I'm already moving on, to be honest, but there'll always be a little part of me that says that was tough going to an in-conference in rival. But I just think it's so interesting that we just have – we have 43% who say I'm already moved on, and we have 40% who says never, right? There's
1: like no in-between. It's either you're out or you're or, or, or you're never going to be in again, Right. Right. And I mean, you've probably heard from family members about Rick Patino leaving. I feel like people were still pissed about that, like 15, 20, like when he came back with Louisville in like 2000, whatever. Remember, they were going to commemorate that team and he didn't come out of the locker room? He didn't like, come
0: out because they were
1: losing. <laughs> and Kadeem Batts had some crazy slam, I remember, on on Sports Center Top 10. Yeah. and But people were still, they're pissed at him then. I mean, this is like, maybe this is just Friartown, but that was what, like, at that point over 20, 25 years later, probably. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I like to, I mean, there are times where I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm in the moving on. Like I'm excited for what's next. And I think, uh, it's a change we talked about. Like I didn't think six months ago we needed a change, but now we're excited to see what this could look like. Um, of course when he's here and if he's doing well at georgetown we're going to feel differently but and i think a lot of how this question looks in a year or two is where is georgetown and where is providence you know if georgetown doesn't turn around under cooley in two or three years people aren't really going to care if they're in the sweet 16 or beyond um that's gonna be a tough pill to swallow because then that narrative that like oh yeah cooley had a ceiling on himself at, at providence but now he's at georgetown he's Kind of reaching its full potential, that's where the question's really going to evolve. Well,
0: I just think it's interesting that after next season only got seven percent. To me, that
1: it,
0: it could have got a little bit more in the sense of, hey, you know, the, the year is what it is. Kim's our coach now. We're officially under the new regime. You know, time time heals heals wounds, right? And then three to five years only getting about 10%. So I thought that was interesting in the sense of okay, we're really we're truly we're either moved on or, or, or we're never moving on and then time isn't going to help us heal I think time will help us heal on that and it certainly matters on team performance if we do well and Georgetown doesn't do well Ed Cooley will be remembered still but it'll be a different remembrance and it'll be like all right well that guy moved on whatever
1: Oh, well, I look at it like Boston College so right after BC left the Big East I was so pissed and Then they were really good in the ACC. They were in the ACC championship game. They had a team that, like, legit could have made the Final Four. They lost at a buzzer beater to Villanova, I think, in, like, the second round or something. But they had a stretch there when Cooley was still there and El Skinner where, you know, it, it stung twice. They left the Big East and they were kind of elevating their program. And that just made your blood boil. But now you watch BC and you're like, oh, BC wins, that's cool, like, Really don't care that much anymore. I think a lot of fans feel that way. So, a lot of it just, you know, is going to be a matter of where these programs are in three to five years. So, this
0: leads to our next question Who would you rather see Providence beat next season, Georgetown or UConn? Georgetown had 52.6%, and UConn had 47.4%. <laughs>
1: You're surprised by this, right? Because I was.
0: I absolutely am. I thought this would be 99.1% Georgetown, and then 0.9% anybody else. This is. I am so surprised at this, and I'm almost so surprised at just that. Just shows that the fan base just truly doesn't like UConn. <laughs> I know we don't like UConn, but this just reasserted it back
1: and uh, onto my dinner plate. Okay, here's how I look at it. If they lose to Georgetown next year, either home or away, but especially at home, people are going to remember that forever. Whereas some of these UConn wins kind of blend together. Like, they're really great wins in the moment, but you don't really – I'm like, what year was it when they had all those dunks at the Hartford Civic Center or even last year's win? Like, you remember, but with how the season played out, like, you know, if PC had a better March, maybe the win over UConn in January would have felt great. But it's got to be, for me, it's clearly Georgetown just because if that's going to be a game you remember forever. Whereas the UConn game in the moment would feel great and they're going to be a team that obviously helps your, you know, your net rankings and all that a lot more than Georgetown would. So like maybe from that perspective, that's where people were looking at it. But um, it's going to be another UConn game that kind of blends together, whereas the Georgetown game, regardless of how it turns out, is going to be one of the most memorable games at home. Probably ever. Well, the interesting thing here is do we care? Do we care if we beat
0: Georgetown at Georgetown? I mean, there's going to be all PC fans there anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. People care. I mean, it, I, no. <laughs> they're not going to want to see, see that loss, especially that's March, too. That would be a tough one to lose late in the season. I, I know PC fans are going to come out in full force for that one. There is oh, something it's about it's a weekday, though. That hurts. I was hoping it would be a Saturday because that would have been probably a takeover.
0: Yeah, right. It does think that it's in the in the week, and it's a, it's at least a flight down. I mean, UConn, it does feel good to beat UConn. It feels better to beat them at Gample than at the XL. The XL is just a lost venue uh, with not a lot of identity. At the end of the day, UConn looks at us a certain way, and obviously we look at them in a different, more of a rival-type way. And yeah, when we beat UConn at home last year, that was a really good feeling. So I'm not going to take that away for a second.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just think they always have the trump card. They really, you know, they always have, but especially after last year now, it's like even more so. Like to them, they're like, well, congratulations on your regular season win. It might feel different if it was in the Big East tournament. That would be a statement. But to me, this is a pretty obvious one.
0: All right. This was an interesting question because I wouldn't know how to answer this looking at the question or looking at the multiple choice to start. Who is your favorite Big East team outside of the Providence Friars? We had Creighton, Villanova, St. John's, Marquette, and UConn. We had Creighton at 31.5%. We had Villanova at a little over 17%. We had St. John's at 12%. We had Marquette at 10.9%. And UConn, at 7.3%. The fact that anybody said that UConn was their favorite team on this list is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And, the, okay, no, Bill, go ahead, go ahead. And the really interesting thing here is, is, is Creighton just our favorite team because Greg McDermott and Cooley were friends for so long and it was like they had a mutual respect? Is is that
1: why we chose Creighton? So a couple of things. One, UConn fans totally spammed the survey. And... I filter out all their obvious responses. So this isn't even like UConn fans being funny and taking the survey. Like I had to clear out so many responses from them where they did that. So there is legit. I I think that's a legit number, the 7.3, because if I looked at the rest of the responses within the survey, they were all, you know, it was apparent they came from PC fans. I'll just put it that way. Um, So I couldn't believe that, but. You know, we've got people on here. My in-laws are from UConn. They're, they're on the newsletters. So maybe that's, that, that contributed there. Um, I think Creighton, their fans are just so absurdly nice. And everyone likes McDermott. And their style of play is pretty great. And when you look back, like, who has Creighton had in their roster? Like, I'm going to challenge you. Is there a guy, and maybe I'm forgetting an obvious one, but is there anyone that Creighton's had the last 10 years where you're like, oh, God, I hate that dude. Like, there's really no one I can think of on Creighton that's that offensive. It's a good point. Like, every team has a guy where you're like, like, I think of Andre Jackson last year. Like, PC fans just hated that dude. Um, But Creighton, I'm like, I can't think of anyone. And, and every year, they're like, they're good, but their players are, you know, there's no one that, you don't respect enjoy and and they're fun to watch um but i think a big part of it really is their their fans are like absurdly nice if you've been to the garden with creighton fans it's almost like off-putting how nice they are because you're in new york and we're the big east it really kind of throws you off.
0: i guess i guess people are thinking too fond memories of beating them in the big east tournament too that That could be another big thing
1: yeah that and they all their fans that night like all the ones that I met were like, "Oh, you guys played great. You really deserved it." Like imagine a PC fan losing the biggest championship and being like, "Hey, great job, other team. You guys really looked solid out there." Yeah, would would never would be the PC fan would have been a few drinks
0: deep from Jack Dempsey's and would not be that nice to the opposing fan base. But for me, I just think it's really interesting. Like I would have guessed Seton Hall randomly. We were kind of grouped with them at the bottom of the old Big East. And yeah. It was, it was kind of like we were like one in the same. Obviously our brand, I think is better now. And we've done
1: obviously much better in the new Big East. Yeah, it kind of, you know, when Seton Hall beats Texas and Michigan, who are top 10 teams, it's kind of like winning one for the little guy. So I, I get right. The, um, Villanova being second doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of fans who like hate Villanova, I think, just because of their success. I'm the opposite. I feel like this league had so many people questioning how it was going to even survive. And how good Villanova was the last 10 years really helped sustain the league, where now, you know, Creighton, Marquette, UConn, these other teams are consistently really, really good. But I just think Villanova did so much to the league that. I can't hate them at all. So now who was your least favorite Big East team?
0: We had UConn, Georgetown, and Villanova. UConn had 61%, 60.9%. Georgetown had 27.1%. I guarantee you it wouldn't have had that much last year. (laughs) And Villanova had 4.9%. So again, how do you have Villanova as your favorite team? And then how do you have Villanova as your least favorite team? Well... The fact that they win and the fact that they save the big east can can send it in two different ways like that, right? So I actually understand that. It's not that big of a a discrepancy in my opinion. And then there's no way that Georgetown has 27% last year. We would probably I, I'm surprised that Marquette, like Mar- Marquette should be more hated, in my opinion. Cause
1: we they have always beaten us pretty good on, on, on the air floor. Now, especially back in like the Buzz Williams days. Um PC had a decent run there for a couple of years. I remember A.J. Reeves had that game where he hit the Big yeah that game winner, right. On. They had another one where, was it Malik White, I think, hit like late free throws. They'd won a couple of times there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marquette in general, I mean, there's not the long history. And honestly, like I said earlier, I think they hadn't had a ton of success in the Big East um, since Ray Lyman. Definitely not to the... The point they did before. Yeah, I didn't like... like The Buzz Williams Marquette teams are so tough, and I didn't really love Buzz Williams. So back then, I was more sour on them. But, I mean, if we did this a year ago, what's UConn at, like 85%? Absolutely. Yeah. just Just overwhelming favorite with so much
0: passion against them. Absolutely. So, Slick Rick is going to return... Providence. He loves Federal Hill and he loves the Friars, but not as much as St. John's. That's why clearly why he chose to go to New York. Will we cheer for him? Will we not really care? Or will we jeer? Cheer got 47 and a half percent. Not really care, got forty-five and a half percent. And Jeer got six point six percent. Yeah, feel free to start off with this one. I'm I'm curious your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I honestly think so much time has passed. And honestly, there's so much like we just talked about the feelings for UConn for Georgetown. It's almost like there's not enough hate to go around for people to be that mad at Rick Petino, who left in nineteen eighty seven. I think for me, I don't know. I'm I, maybe I'm just sharing my own personal belief. We're only gonna see this guy coach for another handful of years, probably. And he's such a great coach that you can not like a lot of the stuff that's happened away from the court with him. His personality can be kind of abrasive at times, but um, to me, to see him come back here, would be pretty cool. Like we, I hadn't really thought about it to be honest, but you know, it was looking four or five years ago. Like we would never have seen Rick Pitino coach at the dunk again or the amp. Um, so I don't think he'll get booed. There'll be like the light, You know, boost from smaller sections but I think in general uh, people will be pretty positive when he returns next year
0: see for me because I didn't live through that era I'm gonna say I don't really care and it's weird because I'm a college basketball purist I've appreciated Rick Pitino's success through the years I just think again like you said for that reason because he's old and because it's only going to be a few more years and he kind of chose St. John's over Providence, like not necessarily over Providence, because who knows if we even offered him the job. But he seemed very interested in returning to New York, even though he has a lot of love for here. I just don't really care, and and I think I think I'm I'm with that 45 and a half percent group of people that just at the end of the day has nothing to do with us Friars here.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so many other storylines this year that that's way way down. Um, so I, yeah, I think most people probably won't care. Or the people who remember him. I mean, I don't remember him as PC's coach, but I remember when I was a kid when he coached the Knicks, and his Kentucky teams were awesome in the '90s. So I remember that. Um, and I actually stayed in the same hotel as Kentucky. It was the the tournament one year was in Worcester, and we were there. We ended up I was probably like 11, and we had dinner next to Patino and all their coaches. So and I, it was me, and my dad, and just the coaches and their wives in this restaurant. So I think I've always had these kind of cool memories from when I was a kid of being around that guy and his assistants and their fans. And it was kind of a sight to behold. Um, so for me, like it just having seen more of his career, I guess, being older, um, I think it will be kind of neat to see him. But I can't imagine the reaction will be too bad for him.
0: Before we get to our last two questions, we'll wrap with just want to give some shout out to the other PC related content that was featured in the survey. Some guys that were mentioned, or some groups directly. Kevin McNamara, of course, longtime writer and coverage of the Friars. Brendan McGare, John Rook, our play-by-play boys. Love John Rook. He did a he did a great solid for me and helped me out with the little groomsman intro for my wedding. So shout out Jr. Bill Koch. We see Bill at, at all the games, covering, always working hard, always taking some great notes in that front seat. And then things like the Providence Friar podcast, uh, our, our, our friend Richard Cord at the Scout Friars, uh, Mike Hopkins Slack channel, um, and the Friar Town Hoops message board. Those all got some love out of the survey. And then who are some of our favorite national college basketball reporters slash personalities? We had the Athletic and CBS Sports as some writers that we in the Friar Town group like to look at. But of course, no one got more love than John Fanta, right? We've had John on the show. He has gotten some slack for apparently, yeah. He has gotten some slack recently for "quote unquote" being too pro-Ed Cooley. But at the end of the day, we love John. He lived down the street from me in Hoboken, so I'll always be a John Fanta fan. And I love seeing him at the. I, lo- I love seeing his smile and his energy at, at the end. Yeah, quote unquote, Bill. Uh, let's move on. So, okay, we're gonna end with these two questions. Who will be the best player in the Big East next season? We had Bryce Hopkins, Tyler Kollek, Donovan Klingon, Ryan Cockbrenner, and Justin Moore. Of course, Bryce Hopkins took the crown at forty-four, almost forty-five percent. There should be no other answer here. Well, Tyler Kollek's pretty good at fifteen and a half percent. Donovan Klingon, hope he stays healthy and he can be he can be competitive out there and make UConn. More than a tournament team at 11.3%. Ryan Cockbrenner, 10.4%. That's, that seems kind of low for, you know, a Big East defensive player of the year. And then Justin Moore at 9.4%. So to me, so for me, really quick, I'm throwing Justin Moore out here. I think he's a great player, but I don't think he's going to be the best player. Uh, I'm going to throw out Donovan Klingon because I think injuries are kind of kind of halting start of the season for him. So let's bring it down to Bryce Tyler and Ryan Cockbrenner. I don't think Cockbrenner got enough love on this survey, to be honest. I mean, the only answer is Bryce Hopkins because it's Bryce Hopkins, but I think Ryan Kochbrenner should have got a little more love here.
1: Yeah, I mean, he shoots like 70% from the field, and we could go into the numbers. No need to dig way deep into it, but if you want to look at what Creighton's defense had been before Ryan Kochbrenner and where it is now, there it's unbelievable the difference he's made for them. Um, and Tyler Kolick, I think is going to be the – he won player of the year last year. He'll be preseason this year. Bill, I got to say, this is not going to be popular, but I think if Klingon's healthy, just his sheer physical dominance, like his numbers, if you extrapolate it over like 40 minutes, are absolutely insane. Um, you know, you worry about a guy who's seven foot two, probably 250, 260 with a foot issue and how that's going to hold up. But um, like if I looked at who I'd rather go up against, Colt Brenner or Klingon, I just think. Colt Brenner is more like physically, potentially physically dominant. Um, But, you know, taking a step back, you know, all these guys were in the league last year and there were two unanimous first team guys and it was Hopkins and Colt. So, um, you know, I think Bryce is being undersold a little bit um, when people talk about the league next year, the potential players of the year are going to be. So I'm interested to see how, how this race plays out you know there's always a guy who kind of comes out of nowhere too but um a lot of good choices this year to be honest it's not a lot of times there's like a clear-cut guy um i don't think there's a clear-cut guy this year
0: with bryce he did get a third team all america uh with cbs sports yeah. that was great to yeah. see with bryce i think he's the most dynamic player on that list and and he he is the true sort of three four inside outside threat which i think gives him great potential to come home with the award there's no guy i'm more worried about playing i don't care if ryan cockbrenner's seven foot you know seven foot five i mean tyler colic could be you know five five eight all of five eight but when he comes home to play against us there is something in his eye that he just wants to seek and destroy so i am not excited for tyler colic to come to the
1: amp this year and i am not excited to play him in general <laughs> And he hasn't gotten a wing yet at, at PC, so he's still looking. They had the two really great games the last two years. They had the Blizzard game, remember the rescheduled game two years ago, and then last year's double overtime game. So, um, I'm also dying to see we talked about how our guards match up with him. So, that's for a different podcast, but that's gonna be a really fun one.
0: And to close here, this is a really fun question, Kevin. I'm glad you asked it. There's truly we hear the names Dan Hurley and Jeff Goodman, and somehow something just kind of eerie comes into play and and, and and that not good feeling of Dan Hurley winning a national, leaving URI and winning an national championship and Jeff Goodman, for some reason, you know, obviously the Friars are lucky thing was the Jeff Goodman thing, but people just don't like Jeff Goodman's coverage of the Friars. Right. So we asked, who do you like more, Dan Hurley or Jeff Goodman? And this, We need, like, a recount on this. We need, like, a presidential (laughs) runoff. We had Dan Hurley at 51.6% and Jeff Goodman at 48.4%. I mean, this was a fun question. I have no opinion about this because, again, I just don't, like, that's not how I look at it. But at the end of the day, I'm almost kind of surprised it was as close because I thought more people would have said Dan Hurley.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's impressive troll work from Jeff Goodman to be less popular than Dan Hurley, with all Dan Hurley's sideline antics. He was at URI at UConn, won a championship at UConn last year. He's still more popular than Jeff Goodman. So that was pretty – I thought it would be, you know, Goodman 70%, Hurley 30. So that was kind of funny too.
0: The memories of Dan Hurley going back and forth on that sideline, screaming at E.C. Matthews and Hassan Martin and (laughs) all those guys, I'll never be able to get that out of my head. So I I know what Fryer fans are seeing, but – very fun question. Guys, we want to thank you so much for filling out the survey. We had great participation, and it gave us a lot of fun insights to talk about today. We hope you're even more pumped for the season now with our season preview episode two. And as always, make sure to subscribe to com and follow and like the Fryer podcast as well. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to episode 36, season preview, episode two, the fan survey. And of course, a special thank you to my co-host, Friar Great, Kevin Farhart. We'd like to wish everybody a safe and enjoyable Halloween. We'll be back in the coming weeks for opening night. And as always, go Friars.